You know, I don't know whether you've noticed something, but have you noticed how much our phones are not just phones? You know, if you had a phone that just was a phone, you'd be disappointed, wouldn't you? Because, you know, your phone is actually the communication centre now. You know, it's your tweet-out thing, it's your Facebook thing, it's your texting thing. If you just had a phone that answered phone calls, you'd be, de- you'd be a bit defeated, wouldn't you? But I've also noticed something about our phone culture as well. Have you noticed this? That people are so busy capturing the moment that they miss the moment. Have you noticed that? You know, they go to a pop concert or something. Pop concert. Listen to me how trendy I am. They go to a gig or whatever, you know. And then, you know, there's a big stage and lights and there they are with, uh, you know, their phone. And they're looking at everything through a little screen. And they've got all this thing. I saw a picture the other day. There was a family looking, standing in front of the Grand Canyon looking at it through their phone. And I'm thinking... Put your phone down and look, experience, drink it in. So I know you all want to take pictures of me right now and so on, but just put your phone down for a minute. Because it seems like we've caught ourselves in a culture where we catch many moments, almost to the detriment, almost to the fact We can't enjoy the experience because we're too busy catching the moment. Let me read you a a scripture, shall I? Because there is no question that the sweep of scripture invites us not just to live in moments, but to go on a journey, to build a story, to build a testimony. Psalm 84 verse 5 says this, Blessed are are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. You're a pilgrim. You're a journey person. You're building a testimony and a story. You're moving through your life with God to build a plan and a story for him. The Bible says this at the end of time. It talks in Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 that they triumphed over him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, that was God's part, and the word of their testimony. Their evidence and their witness to how God, uh, what God had done and how God had treated them. In fact, uh, that's a really strong word and I'll talk to you about it in in a moment. There was, a, there was a deep part of Israel's history in, in the book of Samuel where they were being attacked on many sides. And in 1 Samuel chapter 7, uh, Samuel uh, brings them together and it, Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and he named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. And actually he said, for well, thus far God has helped us on our journey This far, God has helped us. In our story, we can see the handprint and the fingerprints of God because he's been there helping us. Psalm 23 says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me. You're on a journey. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths. There's a guidance and a direction and a, and a journey to be had. Even though I walk through the valley of the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. That God is there even in the darkest chapters of my story. There is no question in the scriptures. The great sweep says, come on a journey with me. Go on a, a pilgrimage with me. Become something with me. Don't just live in a moment. You see, one of the, mo- the spin offs or the consequences of our moment sharing is that we see our lives as a series of disconnected events that people can look at, but they can't really connect with us as people. We show them that event and that event and that event, but there's no conversation about the journey to those events. And what's happening is this disconnection has caused us really important challenges that we, that we have to deal with. Because we jump from moment to moment, because we, we don't see our lives as a pilgrimage, but as a what's next, then they, we find it hard to find the rhyme and reason and purpose and the thread and the theme. One of the hardest things for Christians to find out is God's will for my life. Because we've not been being paying attention to our story. To our theme that God has been building over years. Another spin-off is, is because we share moments, we don't share conversation. And our overall relationships then become a little bit shallow. We become the sort of people that share a post, but we don't share our heart. But there's another story to your life. There is a story that God is building. Your life is not a series of events or posts or Instagram things. And and I'm on all that stuff as much as anybody else, and so is BCC. But actually, your life is God is creating a testimony. He's creating an evidence. He's creating it for two important reasons. He wants you to build up your testimony of, of, a, of being a Christian. And he's got important reasons for that. Once I, I worked in a factory that made hi-fi speakers, really expensive ones. They were called Lynn Isobarics. And I used to do all the soundproofing for speakers. And after I'd been there for a while, I've still got that Bible with me. The people bought me uh, a Bible. And, and on the inside, I've still got it. And I, I ought to bring it and show it to you. It says, to see a Christian in action is breathtaking. Because of the testimony that I'd built up over the years in that factory. I didn't realize that I was kind of that type of person. But God is building up a story in your life. Your life is a sign and it's a witness to others that reveals him and his love. He's trying to speak through you. You know, in the New Testament, uh, Paul said about the Corinthians that they were like his letter to his ministry. And God's trying to show you as well. You're his letter to the world. 
Your, you and your life, your story, your testimony, the evidence that you bring is a love letter to the world through you. You see, that word for testimony in Revelation is a very strong word. In the Greek, it, it, or it means somebody who is, is like a martyr. So much will they evidence Jesus, they'd be prepared to die for it. And that what God is trying to say is, you are my strong witness, you're my letter to the world. The second reason why we need to understand we've got a story is not just because we're a witness, but secondly, God is moving your life towards transformation. He's trying to shape you to become like his image. He's, all the things that are happening to you, God is trying to use them so that you become like Jesus because when we become like Jesus, that's when we become like we're supposed to be. There were some ladies one time having a Bible study at a ladies' Bible study group, and they were studying the book of Malachi, which is an Italian prophet, actually, Maleachi. Okay? I was just trying to be friendly to our Italians over there. They were studying Malachi, and in chapter 3, verse 3, it says that God sits as a refiner of silver. He will sit as a refiner and purifier as, as silver. And the ladies were, were puzzled at this. And they thought, I wonder really what that means. And so one of the group decided to go and research what that, what that process was that God would sit as a refiner and purifier. And actually in the context, it's a refiner and purifier of, of the priesthood. And we're all God's priests today. And so she went to the silversmith and, and she said, uh, you know, can I just watch you at your work? And he said, when I put the silver in, I put it into the hottest part of the fire because what I'm doing by putting into the hottest part of the fire is I'm burning off the impurities. Are you in a hot spot today? Do you feel the heat of life and you can feel the heat of things? Actually, what God is doing, he's, he's bringing out things in your life so that he can say, you, you don't need to carry that, let's take that away. But the, the, the lady asked the silversmith and she said, you know, it says that God sits over and watches and, and the silversmith said, oh no, I need to sit and watch because... I, I need to watch the exact moment when the silver is ready. Because leaving in too long will ruin it. And you know what? Whatever trial you're going through today, God's not going to leave you in it just because he can. Any trial that's come in your life, he's allowed it to come because he's trying to work something in your life. It's from a heart of love. And the lady thought for a while and she watched him work. And then she said, how do you know when to take it out? And said, oh, that's easy. I look at the silver and when I can see my image in it, then I know it's ready. When I can see my face reflected back to me, I know it's ready. And that's what God's trying to do with your life. He's trying to build your story Allow things to happen to you, shape you, so he can see himself in you. That's what he's trying to do. And that's why we all need to say, well, take me on that journey, Lord. Build my testimony. Make my story. 
Because I need to be a love letter to the world. I need to be like you. And I wonder what makes up that refining process in your journey. Well, the makeup of your story probably has three elements. It, uh, last week I spoke about four chapters. Let's, let's talk about your three chapters this week. Um, three important elements that are in your life are your roots or your foundations, your crossroads right now, and some prophetic signposts that God wants to put in your life. Roots, your past. Some crossroads, some decisions that you've got to make. And some of you have got to make some decisions today, even today. And some prophetic signposts where God is pointing you for his kingdom purposes. Your story, like mine, has foundations and roots. Now, you have a past, I have a past. But I just want to say, in my age group, of which Jason is... Jason, we're together on this, aren't we? Because he's a bit worried about that, you know. (laughs) In my age group, we grew up watching all sorts of things. In fact, I'm of the age group where we watched Tarzan and he was half naked on our screens. Uh, I I grew up listening to the story of Cinderella and she came in after midnight. I grew up on the story of Pinocchio, the Italian, and uh, he told lies. And I grew up listening to about Aladdin and Aladdin was a thief. I grew up watching Batman, and Batman drove at 200 miles an hour. I grew up listening to about Snow White, and Snow White lived in a house with seven men. There was a sailor called Popeye, and he, had, he smoked a pipe and had tattoos. Although, when you look at today's culture, tattoos not a big thing, is it really? And also, we watched a program, it was a cartoon called Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. Does anybody remember them? Well, they were two hippies that always had the munchies. They were always hungry. They ate and, and themselves. It's no wonder I am like I am. When you look at me and you think, Pastor Mark's weird. Well, can you imagine? Why shouldn't I be weird? Look at all the stuff that I've had to go through in my growing up. And for those of you who didn't grow up in Britain, God bless you. You missed out on lots of great things. But we've all got a past. We've all got roots. But one of the most redeeming, wonderful things about being a Christian is, and it kind of gets me emotional really, that God recycles our past and, and makes it so that it doesn't defeat us any longer. He reaches into our past with healing and forgiveness. And you know, some things that I have done... They're not, it's not to explain away, it's not to excuse, I just needed forgiveness for that. I needed God to say, I sent Jesus to the cross, and you needed forgiveness for that, Mark. You see, we, God recycles some things, he heals some things, and he just downright forgives some things that we all need changing. The great thing about being a Christian is... That our past and our roots do not define everything about us. Now they do affect us of course. But let me take this a little bit further. When I think about my past, the Bible says about our past in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion or the oppression or the authority of darkness. 
that actually your past had something very dark influencing it. And that you were under a rulership that wasn't kind, that spoilt you and that was hateful. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he's brought us now into the kingdom of his son whom he loves. In whom we have redemption, which means he buys us back from the slavery of that dominion. And in whom we have forgiveness of sins. You see, not everything about your past was your fault. Some of it was just darkness was an influence that was beyond you. God steps in and he transforms it. And what he does is he convinces you in your mind that that's actually spoiling you. You see, you've lived in a way where you think this is normal. And when God shines his light and the light comes in, you start thinking, you know what? That was killing me. The way that I was was not healthy at all. And he comes in and he changes our mind that there's more to life. First Peter chapter 1 verse 18 says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. We've all got generational things that are passed on to us. We've, we've all got habits from our family. And, and in this uh, context, it means that the Jews were handed down an empty way of going about their faith. And they just assumed, because it's always been passed down to them, that that was the right thing to do. I wonder what it is in your family that you just assume that it's okay to be that way. And actually, as you get close to Jesus, you're becoming more uncomfortable being that way. I wonder what it is in your culture that you say, this has just been handed down to me. And actually, it's not kingdom culture. It's not loving like Jesus is loving. But there are some things about our culture and our family and generations that we need to, like Debbie said earlier, throw off that cloak. Break it off your life. See something new. Don't always just assume that the way you are and the way what's been handed to you is okay. Because God wants to lead you towards kingdom values, kingdom behavior, kingdom ethics. Shake it off. Man, I feel like Taylor Swift. Shake it off. You've got to break some things off your life. Because you just inherited them. God wants to reach into your past and push back the mind and the habits that are spoiling you. We have to question our assumptions. The things that we just take as normal, if they really are what the kingdom of God is like. And not just carry over that empty way of life. Not all our past might have been bad and there could be a mix of things. But can I ask you this? What was the overarching theme or mindset that you lived in? I'm from Stoke-on-Trent, Stoke-on-Trent where they make lots of pottery. But Stoke-on-Trent is many wonderful people and lovely thing. 
But also there's a mindset there of, of defeatism. That you kind of, you know, don't, don't try and think that you can ever do that much because what you need to do is just kind of keep your nose clean and keep your head down and, and don't make any trouble for anybody and let's all just make sure that we... Because you know that things will go wrong in the end. That's a really Stoke-on-Trent mentality. And, and the people of Stoke would, would say, oh, that's not us, although they know that it is them. And, you know, living in that environment that what could go wrong will go wrong affected me as I was growing up. And I wonder if there is a place where you grew up that there's a mindset that you need to break off and throw off the old cloak. I had to walk away from that mindset in Stoke and think, no, we can do things. God is on our side. We will have our wins. We will have our losses. But God will lead us on. He's building a story and a testimony. Have you got that mindset? I wonder what the Birmingham mindset is. I wonder what it is. Peaky blinders. I wonder what it is. I wonder whether God wants to confront and say, and say to us, or we say to him, thy kingdom come, Amen. thy will be done here Amen. as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise because he's got a will. He's got a will for your life. So you've got roots in your story and you need to throw some of them off and you need to let God reinvent some of them because Christ now has a kingdom purpose and a kingdom theme for you. Every single one of us. He's got a kingdom purpose for you. The second thing in your story is that your story has crossroads. It has decision points. Your life will flow to decision points. Here on this Remembrance Day, as we remember the great sacrifices that we're all now enjoying, Winston Churchill said this as he started the war effort in his premiership. He said this, I felt as if I was walking to my destiny. I felt like all my past has been a preparation for this hour of trial. I thought I knew a good deal about it, but I was sure that I would not fail. He came to a decision point. And I believe that God is bringing some of us today to some decision points. One of the reasons that we're not making progress in God, or sometimes we're not making progress in life, is that we fail to make some directional decision points. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, in the first chapter, Moses had to call it out. And he said this to the people of Israel. The Lord your God has said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance to the hill country. In other words, Israel, you've got to decide to walk to the promised land. You've got a decision to make. And I believe that some of us today, myself included, we've walked to some crossroads. We've looked at the crossroads and we've walked back and not made the decision. You see, all of our life flows to decision points. Many of us are content to have a make-do type of life. We'll muddle through and we'll get through and hopefully decisions will be made for us. And we'll be like a pinball machine where we're the ball that gets knocked from one place to the other and eventually we might hit the jackpot. How many of you know that very rarely happens? 
Decisions will cost you. There will always be an upside to a decision. There will always be a downside when you shut out some other options. Decisions will always cost you. We make good crossroad decisions when we understand some clear things that need to be set in place beforehand. Number one, you'll make a good decision when that decision brings you closer to Jesus. Some people take great jobs and things like this, but because of that job, they drift away from Jesus. Was that a good decision? Always we need to move towards Jesus. Because his great goal for us is to make sure that as he puts us in the hot spot that he sees our, his face in our lives. You need to make, when you make a decision, you need to say, will I be able to be closer to Jesus? And the Bible says that secondly, if we're going to make a good decision, the Bible tells us that we are to walk by the Spirit. In fact, it says, stay in step with the Spirit. So a decision, and any decision that moves us away from the Holy Spirit or makes us less open to the Spirit, that, that is a decision that's not going to lead us in the right way because we are supposed to be children of the Spirit. In fact, as a little aside, when, when uh, Jesus was uh, talking to Peter one day, he called him uh, Son of Jonah, which means son of the dove. He was saying, Peter, I want you to be somebody who's almost like a child of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus was here, he was, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended on him. It says that when Jesus returned from the wilderness, he was full of the power of the Spirit. Jesus was charismatic. Jesus was full of the Spirit. If you want to be like Jesus, you have to be full of the Spirit. So any decision that makes you less open to the Holy Spirit is not a good one. Can you hear an amen, church? Is this a Pentecostal church, by the way? You know, we want, we want to be filled with the Spirit. And so, what I want to say to you is that when you're saying, oh, I'm not sure about that, I'm not sure about that, the only thing about the Holy Spirit is to be open, based on the Word of God, of course. Third way that you can know if you're making a good decision is you make a good decision which has a kingdom purpose. And a kingdom purpose, you know, the Bible says we should seek the kingdom of God first. But that's our first call. Is this going to advance the kingdom in my life? Is it going to advance the kingdom and the things of God in the people around me? If you've got a kingdom purpose. Now a kingdom purpose will always stretch your faith. You see we're always talking about progress and advancement. But actually God's saying well I want my kingdom to advance. So you know it's a good decision. If it's a decision that's stretching your faith. Often, let me tell you something. If you're at a crossroads. And in one half it looks really easy, and the other half it looks really hard. Take the hard one. Take the hard one that stretches your faith. Now I'm not talking about being silly and getting yourself in debt or anything. I'm saying take the hard one that stretches your faith. Because that's where God is. And when we make a good decision, it's that which we can fit in well with who we are. Rick Warren decided, uh, made a scheme called SHAPE. 
And he said, when you make a decision, think about your spiritual gifts, S. Think about your heart. What's the theme on your heart? And then A, he said, think about your abilities. In the first service, I kind of made this illustration that, you know what, I can't play the keyboard. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, Lord, give me the gift of music. Oh, he said no. He just said no. You know, you need to think about your abilities. Some of us are saying, oh, I really want to do that. And you can't do that. You can't do it. It's not what God's gifted you to do. Or you don't have the ability to do it. It's just that you want to do it because you're like somebody who's doing it. You know, I wish I was like, Isaac, and just play the keyboard. Should we do that one more time? That was a great moment, wasn't it? Lord, give me the gift of music. Oh, no, he's just said no. That's a quick answer. It was music to my ears. And that's the trouble. We try and define things by what we like. But God says, no, think about your abilities. Think about your personality. Think about the experience that you've had. S, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experience, shape. Think about who you really are and you make a good decision. You see, we don't have to live from crisis episode to episode. But we do have to encounter God and make decisions. I, I like it when, I love it, that story in the end of Luke when it talks about the, the disciples on the Emmaus Road and it says, didn't our hearts burn within us when we met Jesus on the way? And, you know, the word of God directs us, but you need to feel some life on your decisions. Where's your Jesus encounter? I know that some of you are at a crossroads today and in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to be brave Because you've got some decisions to make. And I'm going to ask you to bring those decisions like, and I'm going to call it the altar, the front of the church. And you're going to place those decisions in God's hands and you're going to say, I trust you. Give me the grace to make that decision. Because some of us are not progressing because we're at a crossroads and we keep walking back from it. Just very quickly, your story Thirdly, has signposts, directions and moves to deepen in. They're like prophetic stirrings that God is pointing you to. They are the f- for the future and for now. God's placed some themes and he's placed some dreams and he's placed some things in your heart. In fact, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He's put some things in there and they're like a signpost, like a prophetic signpost that's saying, this is the way, walk in it. These are the things that have got a trusted track record over time. Signposts and directions, they need to be tested. You need to chat them through. You need to put them on the altar. You need to put them in prayer. You need to have counsel about them. But some of you have got some signposts in your life that God's saying, no, it's over there. And there are attractions over here, but God is pointing you. See, these point to a kingdom future. They point to something that you can do in God more. Signposts are not just knee-jerk reactions or you keep changing But often you can trace those themes through four seasons. That actually for a while God's been saying, you know what, that's a direction for you. It isn't just that you just come up with an idea. Now it's not to say that things can't happen quickly. 
But there's a deeper work going on in you. Stop jumping to every opportunity and listen to the deeper themes in your life. What is God calling you to? There's a signpost in your spirit. Who's that person that when you're on your own with God, you can see who that person is? Signs are there to lead you to Jesus. And actually, a signpost leads you to more faith. Not just promotion and advancement. There's a lot of talk in the church today about success, promotion and advancement. And as if that's always God's will. But actually, a sign points you to the kingdom, to Jesus In fact, the end of the Gospel of John, doesn't it say this? But all these things have been written that you might believe. And that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. And that these signs are giving that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. A signpost points you to Jesus and faith in him. So if you've got a stirring in your heart to do something... And it takes you away from belief in Jesus. That's not a signpost from God. That's a distraction from the enemy. You see, your story and the big story is something to share. You're God's love letter to the world. You have to share the big story, like we said last week. In fact... Your story is framed by the big story. Do you remember last week, four chapters, that you are loved, you're created, you're, you're a beautiful person in God. But we fell and we floored. But God rescued us and meant there will be a restoration. This is not all that there is going to be, church. And my story is framed and, and defined by that big story of God and that great gospel. But what has ever happened to you in your story, whatever has happened, and I know some of you have had some awful things happen, but whatever has happened, God's love in the gospel can reach your story and transform it. Come on, church, somebody say amen. Amen. You know, if you've had a terrible thing happen to you in your past, you whisper an amen and say, make that so, Lord, in my life. Because God's story and the gospel can reach your story and redeem it and change it. Your life can move to a transformation story. So I wonder if I could just ask you to quietly stand to your feet. I'm going to ask the worship team to come because I've got some important questions to ask you. Let's just stand for a moment. And let's just stand in the presence of God. I love you today. I'm so privileged to be your pastor today. But I want to ask you something. I'm asking it from a heart of love. What's fixing you in your moment? What's got you stuck? What's blocking your movement? You were called to a movement, not a moment. You were called to a pilgrimage, not a post. You've been called to a journey, not a knee jerk. What's stopping you moving on in your journey? 
Is there a root in your life? Something in the past that you just, you know, God's digging around it, but you just won't let him pull it up. Is it time for that root to go? Isn't it great that we had a prophetic word from Debbie today that was about the new and the, and the throwing off things and she didn't know what I was going to preach. And Isn't that lovely that the Holy Spirit's trying to encourage you? What is it? Is it a root? Is there a decision that you have to make? And in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to bring that decision to God. Even if you don't know what to do in the decision, that you're going to say, well, Jesus, I don't really know what to do with this, but I'm bringing it to you. You're going to have to be brave and walk to the front. But is it the lack of decision in your life? You keep walking up to the crossroads and then walking away without taking a road. Is there a signpost that you're not following? Is it time that you just should admit what God has been telling you all along and follow it? And stop saying, well, there's this, there's this, there's this. But the God has put a signpost in your life and you just need to make the direction and move. You see... You've got a testimony to share. You've got the large story to share. The four chapters. What was your life like? What was it like? You need to share that with people. How did you come to Jesus? You need to share that with people. And what's your life like now, even though you have your struggles? People need to know your story because as a part of your life purpose... You have to share the love of God and the great story of God. That's you. So your story is important. So Pastor Kevin is going to lead us. I believe we're going to sing Amazing Grace. Is that right, Pastor Kevin? And you all know this song. We don't know the word. We don't need the words. And as we sing this song, I want you to consider what's the decision you're putting off. And then I'm going to come back and ask you to come and respond to God. Some of you may want to just take communion in a moment. But some of you will need to come and receive prayer so that you can place that decision in his hands. Let's sing together, shall we? Bless you. Amazing grace, how sweet. 